Amen. Come on, if you love Jesus, let's give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Isn't he worthy? Praise God. Praise God. Remain standing with me, if you would, for a moment. Thank you, Pastor Vasquez, uh, for the warm invitation and the hospitality and all of the provisions uh, that you all have given to my family and I. I'm grateful to be traveling uh, with my family, and I miss them whenever I'm not with them. And uh, I just feel more complete whenever they're with me. And so my wife and my five beautiful children are all with me. So if anything comes up broken around here, it was probably one of mine that did it. Uh, so anyway, we appreciate each one of you and thankful for the vision of having uh, this class. And we're just looking forward to God doing uh, some great things over the next few weeks while we are together. So... Um, I want to uh, direct you to Acts chapter number 2 uh, and verse 3 and 4. Um, we're going to start uh, tonight uh, with what would seem like maybe an obvious uh, place to start. But there are a lot of things we're going to be talking about with regard to, to doctrine. And so tonight I want to look at Acts chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 and we're going to be talking about the story of Pentecost. Now we're all familiar with the idea of, uh, of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2 but I want us tonight to look into a little bit of the roots of Pentecost and what makes Pentecost and the experience of Pentecost the one doctrine that was one time delivered unto the saints. And so let's begin. Acts chapter number 2, verses 3 and 4. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many in this place tonight have experienced that personally? Now, let me just say it, and I'm not prophesying it. I'm just speaking it by faith. If you are yet to experience this yourself personally, I have good news for you. He's still pouring it out, and tonight could be your night to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. You can be seated in Jesus' name. All right, so I'm just going to give verbal cues, uh, uh, media team tonight, to go on to our next uh, slide. I know this is not, we don't have a slide projector, but I don't know what other term to use the next graphic. So here we go. Excellent. They are doing great. Let's talk about this tonight, and let's start with a question. And that question is, what is Pentecost? Now, some may say, well, it's a church, it's a church denomination, but I want you to know what you and I have and what we have experienced is not something that was born in Topeka, Kansas. Now, this is very important for you to understand because there would be some people who would tell you, and they would be wrong to say it, 
that Pentecost, the Pentecostal church, began in Topeka, Kansas, or at Azusa Street in California, and that is a false narrative. It's also a very ignorant one. I want us to understand the true roots of what you and I have espoused as apostolic Pentecostals. So let's take a look at the word Pentecost. First of all, Pentecost is a biblical feast that is called in Hebrew Shavuos or Shavuot, depending on the Hebrew accent that you hear it spoken in. And Shavuos commemorates. Now this is very important. I tell, I tell my students all the time, we have to pay very close attention to kind of the minutia of the scripture. And in this, uh, we, if, if we don't, we will miss some very important points. So understanding what Pentecost is. So Pentecost, the Hebrew word for Pentecost is Shavuos. And this is a feast that is celebrated even today by Jews around the world. The reason is because Pentecost actually preceded the upper room in Jerusalem. And Shavuos commemorates, in fact, two very powerful uh, events in the First Testament or the Old Testament of your Bible. First of all, Shavuos or Pentecost commemorates God's gift of the Ten Commandments. So, Pentecost began as a celebration to God, a feast of celebration that on this day God gave us the law, the Ten Commandments. God gave the law at Mount Sinai. That's where Pentecost actually begins. And as well, it also commemorates the annual celebration of the wheat harvest. So, if you're taking notes, write this down. And it's incredibly important for you as we proceed in our class tonight. Pentecost originally celebrates two things. God's word, God giving his word to humanity. And second, it celebrates harvest. Does that sound familiar already? So let's go on to the next graphic tonight. I want to talk to you about a gift at Mount Sinai. So just before we can read it in the Torah itself, in the scripture, just before the word of God was given on Mount Sinai, the Bible tells us that Mount Sinai was covered in fire. Fire descended upon Mount Sinai just before the Ten Commandments was given to Moses and to the nation of Israel. Now I want you to notice this. The Spirit had to move before the Word could be established. Very important. We also know that it was at this point in time, you can ask any scholar that you want, everyone agrees, the nation of Israel was born at Mount Sinai. Why? Because it was there that the nation received their laws. Laws are important to a nation. In fact, a nation without laws is by definition called a failed state. 
but where the rule of law is honored, that is a true nation by definition. So everyone agrees, Israel as a nation was born at Mount Sinai. Now, I want you to notice when we look into the scripture, we can oftentimes find threads connecting certain points from one book to another, or in this case, one testament to another. So this is divine order from creation. Listen carefully. The word of God, for it to move, for the word of God to be established, the spirit of God had to move first. This divine order was established first at creation. So think about it. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and then God said. So the spirit moves, then the word is established. Can you see that divine order that God established from creation? Fast forward from creation to Mount Sinai. What happened? The spirit of God moved upon that mountain. The fire descended upon that mountain. And then the word of God was established, written in stone by the very hand of God at Mount Sinai. So now notice this in our third bullet point tonight. The Ten Commandments were written on what? Tables of stone, right? They were written on rock. God chose that rock should be the element to bear the word of God. Very important. Not written on parchment first, but first established in stone. When something is written in stone, you can't erase it. So this was the gift at Mount Sinai. Divine order of creation. The fire descended, the spirit moved. God gave his word. Let's go on to the next graphic tonight. A gift at Mount Zion. Very important. Just before the word of God was given. Now, where is Mount Zion? Zion is an ancient uh, word that uh, is for Jerusalem. It's another word, another name for Jerusalem because of the mountain that it's established upon. So the upper room, and for those of you who have gone uh, with me to Israel uh, or heard the stories of some who have gone to Israel, maybe read about it, you already know that the upper room is right there on the actual part of the mountain that is very popularly called specifically Mount Zion, not the Temple Mount, but just next to it. And so let's talk about and kind of compare and contrast between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Just before the word of God was given at Mount Zion, the spirit of God moved. What happened? Tongues like as of fire sat upon each of them. So what happened? Fire came down from heaven, rested upon Mount Zion, specifically upon each and every individual there in the upper room. So, fire descended. 
Now, I want us to understand this point. The day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2 also falls into the divine order of creation. It's no wonder that God would let this, would choose uh, to let this day be the day that the church was born. So what happened in the upper room? Fire descended upon Mount Zion. And after they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with tongues, the Bible says that some people were doubting, but all were amazed. You want to know how you know you've got true Pentecost? There's going to be doubt. There's going to be question. But it's going to amaze everybody on both ends of the spectrum. You're never going to have Pentecost without question. There are going to be people that are going to doubt from the very beginning. People doubted. From the very beginning, there were questions. From the very beginning, people said these folks are drunk. But what they couldn't understand was that what was happening at Mount Zion was essentially a carbon copy of what happened at Mount Sinai. Fire descended and the word of God came forth. In the upper room, fire descended. They spoke with tongues and the word of God came forth. After all of this had happened, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The word of God came forth and notice this. At Mount Sinai, what was it that bore the word of God? It was rock that the Ten Commandments were etched upon. Look at Mount Zion. Who was it that stood up and preached the encapsulated plan of salvation? Peter, Petra. And what does his name mean? It means rock. Brothers and sisters, this is no accident. This is order. Divine order from creation. It began at the creation of the universe. The Spirit moved and the Word of God came forth. Fast forward to Sinai. The Spirit moved. The Word of God came forth. So at creation, the universe was born. At Sinai, Israel was born. And at Zion, I feel the Holy Ghost in this Bible study tonight. At Zion, the church was born. You can ask any denomination. You can go to the Vatican today and ask the Pope if you want, the Pontiff, the Vicar of Christ, whatever names that he has, the Bishop of Rome, and ask, when was the church born? Everyone is in agreement that the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Well, here's my question. Then let's get back to preaching what they preached on the day of Pentecost. If Peter is your first pope, why don't you preach what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost? Then Peter said unto them, the rock was presented at Mount Zion after the fire had fallen. And he stepped forward and gave the word of God after they were asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now I want you to also notice on the day of Pentecost, there was unity. The question was not only asked to Peter. The question was asked to all of the preachers, all of the apostles that were there on that day. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter stood up. And what did he say? He stood up with the eleven on that day and preached to them. Twelve preachers.
preachers, 12 preachers stood up and preached with one voice. And it was the voice of the rock and said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Church family, that is no accident. That is divine order from creation. Hallelujah. This is what God desires for the church to be. You can find preachers all across the United States of America. Get 12 of them together and you won't get them to speak in one voice. But oh, when you find people who understand the divine order of creation and how that the spirit moves and the word goes forth, that's no accident. It's very intentional. It's intentional for you and I that we can walk in the truth of God's word. And so the word at Mount Zion You can go on to the next graphic. I'm going to go through these few because I jumped ahead a little bit. Uh, Peter preaches and as well, it's also, I think, noteworthy to notice in the, the text of, uh, of Peter's preaching on this day. Now, we don't have all of it because the Bible says with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. I, I would like to know what his, what his entire sermon body was on that day. Uh, but we do get part of it from Brother Luke. Acts chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. Now, once again, notice the divine order of creation is here. These are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And then what happens? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So the spirit moves and then the word comes forth and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Listen to this. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy two different times. We see the divine order from creation, spirit and word, spirit and word. This is a trail of breadcrumbs from creation from Genesis 1 that leads straight to Acts chapter number 2 to show you and I what we must do to be saved. So we have to pay very close attention to that. Um, Let's go on to the next slide. The word at Mount Zion. Yes, of course, we've already uh, uh, quoted from this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. And this is important. Everyone has to be baptized in Jesus' name. This is our calling. This is our commission. This is why I teach with, try to teach with passion and as well compassion because this is the word of God once delivered unto the saints. Souls must be baptized by immersion in the only saving name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. How do we save ourselves? Because we know 
that no man can boast in their own salvation. But there is some works that you do have to do. We're not only saved by works, but dear brothers and sisters, the Bible does say that we will be judged by our works. People don't like to hear that. We know that we are saved by grace through faith. We understand that. But with just with only faith, the Bible says faith without works is dead. I've been accused many times of saying, you're all about law, you're all about works, you're all about this and that, and they got it jolly well right, I'll tell you that. Because you can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't have works, your faith is dead. If you've truly got faith, faith is so powerful, it's going to cause you to move. It's going to cause you to act. It's going to cause you to react. You can speak and say that you've got faith all day long until your lips turn blue. But until it compels you to action, until it compels you to repentance, until it compels you to a watery grave of baptism, your faith has done very little for you. I want to call somebody's faith to action tonight. I want to call somebody's faith to action. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day to be baptized in Jesus' name. Don't wait another day to let God fill you with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Faith without works, it is dead. It will cause you to act and it will cause you to react. Faith is so powerful. Yes, it definitely is. Faith is a gift of the Spirit. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And it is also part of the armor of God. Faith is powerful. But until you put wings on it, it's going to do very little for you. True faith does bring forth action. And that action should be to obey what the Word of God has declared. So I want to go on to the next graphic here. I'm not going to be able to see where we're at without my glasses. Here we go. I want to talk to you about prophecy and a patient king. This is probably not an unfamiliar uh, point to you uh, with the folks that I have uh, taken to uh, Israel specifically. But I want to call your attention to Psalm 16 and verse number 9. Psalm of David who wrote, Therefore my heart is glad. And notice this word. Once again, I tell my students all the time, every word is important. All prophecy is prophet. The, the, the whole word of God. And when, when we're studying it in Hebrew, um, I tell my students even further, it's not just every word that's profitable, but even every letter brings wonderful revelation and is very weighty when it comes to proper biblical interpretation. So God is not about wasting our time when in college when you, when you were writing a paper or something like that. You know, it's not, you know, the fluff that you had to add to get to 3,000 words or, or, or 10 pages or 12 pages or whatever it might be. You know how that is. Well, that's not what God's about. He's not about wasting our time. He's about redeeming the time. So pay close attention to this verse. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. 
my glory rejoiceth. What's he talking about? My glory rejoiceth. And then he says, my flesh also shall rest in hope. This is from Psalm 16 in verse 9. Let's, um, let's learn a... Uh, I've already taught you the word Shavuos is Hebrew for Pentecost. Uh, let me teach you a Yiddish word. Yiddish is a, uh, a, a Jewish language, essentially. It's kind of a blend of, of uh, German and uh, Hebrew uh, with a few other little nuances of Eastern Europe thrown in. Uh, this term, Yartzeit, Yartzeit. Uh, Yartzeit is uh, actually, it means death anniversary. In Jewish tradition, birthdays are kind of, yeah, they're celebrated. You can celebrate a birthday. Okay, that's fine. But what is most important with regards to faith, to the faith community, is actually celebrating someone's yard site, the day of their death, the anniversary of their death. Now, we might say, well, that's awfully weird, isn't it? Well, actually, it is a very literal approach to the scripture that says better is the day of one's death than the day of your birth, right? So it's a very literal approach to that scripture. So there is some scriptural basis for it. So for that reason, when an individual, their yard site, their death anniversary comes around, uh, there's something called the farbringen, that, uh, and that's another Yiddish word for you, uh, that takes place, that is uh, celebrated with, with, with joy and, uh, uh, and the, uh, the statement that is oftentimes said, you know, let their memory be a blessing and what they what they worked for their children and all of this may it be a blessing uh, for generations to come so yard sites are very important in Jewish tradition and interesting enough uh, we can even see this a little bit as well in the New Testament Jesus never said remember my birth but what did he say when he was giving the bread and when he was giving the cup? He said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, there's nothing wrong with remembering the birth of the Messiah. I'm not saying that. But it is important to notice this world, I think, has got it backwards with the level of excitement that surrounds the birth and the death. If you compare celebrations the way that they're done in the West of the birth of the Messiah. It starts after the 4th of July now, basically. Come on, somebody. And runs for many months. But when it comes to celebrating the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah, is it done? Yes, it's done. But there's really no comparison with regards to these things. But let's keep in mind that without the death, burial, and the resurrection, that's truly where the power was. And that is truly a direct commandment that Jesus himself said, do this in remembrance of me. The remembrance, the yard site, the, the, the death anniversary, but as well we know the resurrection anniversary is the most important thing that you and I can celebrate. Why? Because... It's so important for us with regards to salvation. We are buried with him 
in baptism. We die out of our sins. That's equal to repentance. We are buried with him in baptism. But then guess what? We are also resurrected with him. If the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful that I've got the Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible said, this is the reason why the death anniversary of the Messiah is the most powerful thing that you and I can celebrate that death, that burial, and that resurrection. And in fact, if we don't accept the bread and if we don't accept the cup, we don't have any part of Him. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that I'm a part of the body of Christ. So, we're talking about tonight... That was a rabbit trail I got off on. I'm going to try not to do that anymore. Uh, so, the, let's go back to our notes here. The yard site of King David. Uh, amazingly, the yard site, the death anniversary, the day that King David died was actually on the day of Pentecost. When you look at the Hebrew calendar, David died on the day of Pentecost. Now, dear brothers and sisters, this is incredibly important for you and I tonight. Knowing that David died on Pentecost is very important. Psalm 16, verse 9, he said, My heart is glad, my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Now, let's go on to the next uh, graphic tonight. Did Peter change the words of King David? So remember, in Acts chapter number 2, Peter actually quoted David's song. But it's worded slightly different in the New Testament than it is in the book of Psalms. Peter says... Therefore did my heart rejoice, and he says, my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. This is from Acts 2 and 26. So here we are in Acts 2. Who is it that Peter is quoting? He's quoting David. Why? Because it's David's yard site. It's his death anniversary. Now, here's the amazing thing. In Hebrew, the word glory is used interchangeably for tongue. David said, my glory rejoiceth. The translators chose to use the word glory. My glory rejoiceth. But that word is interchangeable in Hebrew, amazingly, with the word tongue. Isn't that powerful? Right. That the Hebrew language that we call Loshan Kodesh, the holy language, that the word tongue and the word glory is interchangeable. This is the reason why we actually find the same Hebrew word in Psalm 108, verse number one. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. What was he saying? Even with my tongue. I'm going to sing and give praise. But here the translators used the word glory. Now for you and I, we understand this. Because when we were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues, it was the most glorious experience ever in all of our lives. 
And isn't it amazing? That Loshan Kodesh, the holy language, the Hebrew, the powerful Hebrew language actually gives us a window into the glory of the tongue. And so we find this in the scripture, David's words being quoted from the book of Psalms all the way in the book of Acts chapter number two on the very anniversary of his death. So we look as well at Exodus chapter 24. I want to read this very quickly. Exodus chapter 24 onto the next uh, slide, please. Thank you. Sorry, I forgot to give you the cue. My bad. Uh, did Peter change the words of King David and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like, what did he say the glory was like? A devouring fire. Oh, I'm about to shout. Here it says that the glory was like devouring fire. Where was this at? Mount Sinai. That the glory was like devouring fire. Glory and tongue are interchangeable in Hebrew. Go to Acts chapter number 2. It was tongues like as of fire. See the connection from Mount Sinai and Mount Zion again. Folks, listen. There's far too many connections that are here for us to just turn the page and look over and say, oh, that's just a dink." Hello? Come on, somebody. This is something that you and I need to pay attention to. This is all connected by a single thread, a tapestry before us that shows us God's true plan from man for man all the way from creation. That's the great thing about our God. He is not the author of confusion. He is a God that gives great revelation. So let's go on to the next slide. This, uh, uh, this picture may be, uh, may be familiar to some of you. You may have seen uh, some of these pictures before. And uh, again, this is incredibly important for us. My, my first time going to Eretz Israel, to the land of Israel, um, my mind sometimes can be a scary place. Uh, I have a very vivid imagination. Um, and, uh, you know, I just kept thinking, the upper room, the upper room. This is where it all happened. The upper room. I couldn't wait to get to Jerusalem so I could go to the upper room. But the whole way that I was walking from my hotel to the upper room, I kept saying to myself, at last, I'm going to get to see what's downstairs. <laughs> that was just a window into the mind of Jeremy Lang, folks. It's empty in there, I think. So, I got there, I walked up some steps from one side of the building and uh, went in. I couldn't wait to get into that upper room and just, I mean, it, it's a pilgrimage. Going to the Holy Land is not, it's not just a tourist attraction, not for you and I. Many people go to Israel, it's a tourist attraction for them. But when your heart is connected to that holy city and what happened there, what we've read about 
many of us for many, many years in the scripture. Going to Israel, there's, it's so powerful because a little part of your faith becomes sight when you go. So I got up there and prayed, cried, bawled, squalled, thought about my testimony and how God uh, brought me from a secular life, a sinful life and all of these things brought me to where I stood on that day, the first time in the upper room. I got done praying and I went out the other door to go downstairs and I said, here I go, I'm going to find out, bless God, what's down here. And I got down there and I saw above the door and I had never known this. I had never heard it taught. I'd never read about it before. I felt ignorant on that day. That I walked downstairs and just beneath the upper room, there is a room, a doorway there. And above that doorway, going into a very drab stone room, it says Melech Dawud in Hebrew, which means King David in Hebrew. I said, what? I said, wait a minute, hold on. I walked in and I couldn't believe my eyes. King David, his sarcophagus, is in the basement of the upper room. His tomb, this right here, this room that you can see, look at it, stone, not a lot of pomp and glitter in this room, just a stone room, not a lot of color, the most colorful thing is always the cloths that they put over uh, the, the stone tomb of King David, written on the front of it there in Hebrew is from the Psalms. Here lies the most illustrious king in all of Israel below the upper room. There he is. Did you know that David in Jewish tradition is considered a prophet? We don't think of him that way, do we? He's a king, he's an adulterer, he's a shepherd king. Uh, he's, some people say, well, he's a murderer also. You know, all of these things. But in Jewish tradition, he's also considered a prophet, which is very interesting because the New Testament actually also calls him a prophet. And we need to keep that always in our mind. That before the fact that he was a king, that he was a shepherd and all those things. The true pinnacle of David's life is the fact that he was a man that was anointed with a horn of oil. He had an anointing upon him, not only to be a king, but to be a prophet. And it is for this reason that in the Psalms of David, we find nearly as many messianic prophecies in his psalms as we do almost in the book of Isaiah. Now think about that for just a moment. The man who said, my flesh shall rest in hope. In hope of what? In hope of the coming of Messiah, in hope of the salvation of 
that he wrote about so many times in the Psalms, the hope of restoration that he spoke of so many times in the Psalms, he said, my flesh is going to rest in hope. Well, guess what? It did. He's buried there in Mount Zion in this tomb. And when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, I want you to notice the scripture. You're never going to read Acts 2. If you didn't know this before, you'll never read Acts 2 the same way again. Acts chapter 2, verse 29 and 30. Here we go. Men and brethren, let me speak unto, freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. Why would he use David again? Talking about his death and his burial. Because this is David's yard site. This is the day of Pentecost. It is the death anniversary of King David. And he then says, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Remember, he's standing in the upper room preaching on this day. And I can just imagine in my mind as he's in that upper room preaching on this day. He said, let me speak to you freely of David. Our patriarch, we don't think of him oftentimes as a patriarch either, but in the New Testament, he's also revered as a patriarch, as a prophet. He said he's dead and buried, and his sepulcher, I can just, I get the mental picture that he, he pointed at the floor. He's, he's down there. He's right below our feet. His sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, here it is, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Here David was, the one who said, out of Zion's hill, salvation cometh. And now here he is buried upon Zion's hill. And what happened on Zion's hill on the day of Pentecost? Salvation came. And he said, my flesh is going to rest in hope. And there it was. There his flesh, his remains are resting even unto this day. And guess what? Messiah is coming back again someday. He's going to come back to that holy city. And the flesh of David is still there resting in hope of the soon second coming of our great God and Messiah and Lord Jesus Christ. So keep in mind also, with regards to all of this, we need to pay attention, very close attention, to what David said about the Messiah, what Peter said about the Messiah, as well as David, and look at all of the interconnections that are there. It is truth to you and I to show us very clearly that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is above all, through all, and thank God for the day of Pentecost. He can be in you all. Yes. Acts chapter number 2. On to uh, the next graphic. Thank you. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. I want to talk to you about this uh, lastly. Um, remember... The giving of the word, that's, what, that's where Pentecost started, Shavuos, 
Moses came down off Mount Sinai. Get that mental picture of Brother Charlton Heston coming down off of Mount Sinai and Brother Yul Brenner trying to keep them in Egypt. Come on, somebody. Some of you all just told on yourselves. And I just told on myself too, didn't I? Hello. So here is the beginning of Shavuos, Pentecost, God's gift of his word. But also it is a celebration. It's a twofold celebration, the giving of God's word and the spring harvest. The harvest at Mount Zion. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Acts 2, 41 and 42. So, Mount Zion is also about harvest. It's about the Word of God and it's about the harvest of souls. 3,000 souls were added on that day, on the day of Pentecost. It was a true harvest of souls, dear brothers and sisters. Pastor and I have been talking a lot about what's been going on around here at Bethlehem. That 250 some odd souls just since COVID have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for their mission of sin. I don't mean to speak evil of anyone or of any denomination, but around this world, and especially in our country, did you know that church attendance has gone down? Some churches, it's been so long since they baptized, their baptisms are dry, their baptismal tanks are dry, or maybe they got goldfish in them or something. I don't know. But true Pentecost. COVID can't stop true Pentecost. Famines and pestilences can't stop it. Pharaohs can't stop it. Rome can't stop it. Judas can't stop it. There is no individual in this world that has the power, that has the control enough over what's going on in this world to stop what God has ordained from the very day of creation. My spirit is going to move and the word is going to go forth. Dear brothers and sisters, this is what God's will is all about. Let the souls be baptized in Jesus' name. We're just continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. How are we still shouting? Every one of us lost somebody over the past couple of years to COVID. My my late mother died to due to long-term effects of COVID. We've all lost somebody precious to us. But I told pastor today, I said, brother, because his mother died around the same time uh, several years ago, but around the same date as my mother died in the month of April. It's an amazing thing to me whenever I went back and I preached my uh, my mother's funeral. 
It was the most difficult sermon I've ever preached in my life. But I got up on that day and preached Acts 2.38. Why? Because I was brought up in a, in a very secular, very secular household. I was the first one in my family to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And the first soul that I won in the kingdom of God was I took a Bible study, put it under my arm, went to my mom and dad, and I said, I've got to share something with you. And I was there the day I saw my mother baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. What are we doing? We're just continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Some people have made shipwreck of it, but we have been compelled by the Holy Ghost within us. We must be faithful unto this doctrine. Remain standing with me tonight. Last graphic, please. Thank you. What is Pentecost in 2022? Pentecost is still about the truth of the word of God, and it is still about harvest. Folks, Pentecost has not changed from Mount Sinai up to this very day. It's still about God's gift of his word. It's still about reaching souls that they could be harvested into the kingdom of God. Nevertheless, the prerequisite for truth and harvest is a move of the Spirit of God. We are still bound today, dear church family, by the divine order set forth in creation. So for this reason, it is incredibly important, those of you that are involved in this wonderful, wonderful worship team, don't you all, aren't you all blessed with a great worship team? When they get up here and they begin to sing and they begin to praise and lead all of us in praise, what are they doing? They're not up here performing. They understand there is a divine order that has been set from the very beginning that if the Spirit of God is moving and the power of God is moving, then the Word of God can come forth and we can have Pentecost every single time that we walk into this room. The great thing is, in this day, He's already moving. We just need to connect with Him. And I feel His presence and His power in this place tonight. I want to encourage anyone in this room if you have not yet repented of your sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, I have good news for you. You can be baptized in Jesus' name tonight. You need to get with Pastor and tell him, Pastor V, I need to be buried with my Savior in baptism. If you need the Holy Ghost, I've got good news for you. He's still pouring it out. We're continuing steadfastly in this doctrine God's Spirit is moving. I want to open these altars tonight. If you need something from God, if you want to connect with Him tonight, He's here. His Spirit is moving. His power is in this place. This is what Pentecost is all about. So come on. Let's let Mount Zion be this place tonight. Let's see those tongues like as a fire rest upon us. Maybe it's been a while since you've spoken in tongues. Maybe it's been a while since God has touched you and you've prayed in the power of the Holy Ghost. You've had intercessory prayer. It's been a long time since you've had intercessory prayer in the Holy Ghost. You need to come on tonight and let God refresh you. 
Let him anoint you with fresh oil tonight. That's it. Go ahead. Reach out unto him in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead. This is your night. Let something be birthed inside of you. Creation was born in Genesis 1. Israel was born at Mount Sinai. The church was born at Mount Zion. And you can be born again tonight in Bethlehem. Come on, somebody. Reach out to him right now. Let him touch you. Let him confirm tonight his word that has gone forth in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, divine revelation, divine understanding, descend upon us in this house tonight. We trust in you. We trust in your word. Tonight, we understand. Tonight, Lord, we're thankful. Tonight, oh God, we want to walk in obedience. Tonight, Lord, we're going to mix our works with our faith, and we're going to see you move. That's it. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. reach over and pray for someone close to you. Why don't you pray? God, help us all experience another Pentecost. God, help us all. It'd do us all good, wouldn't it? To have an upper room experience one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just tell him? Maybe, maybe you just need to tell the Lord, God, I want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost in my life. Maybe you've never had it, and you're not even sure it's real. Why don't you just tell God, Lord, if it's real, I want it. God, if it's real, I want it. Maybe you've not been raised in a Pentecostal church, and you weren't raised this way. Why don't you just tell God, Lord, if this is the real thing, then I want to have it. If this is the Bible truth, then I want it. touched with the Holy Ghost. 
to be baptized in your name. God, anoint this weekend the people that walk through this door Sunday morning and Sunday night. God, we want the harvest of Pentecost. In Jesus' name, let the power of your spirit and word move and touch hearts. Amen. We, this time of year, this time of year is a whirlwind for our staff. We spent weeks talking about Easter and uh, planning Easter. And, and we going back probably to January, we started talking about it, at least January, maybe before that. Um, then as soon as that's over, we start getting ready for Mother's Day. And then, and, and then we got Father's Day coming a few weeks after that. And in between the two, we've got Pentecost Sunday. And I was talking with the staff in staff meeting yesterday morning. I said, you know, we got Pentecost Sunday coming up. And uh, we don't really have anything special planned. And I think it was Brother Austin. It might have been Brother Ethan. It might have been both of them. They said, well, we have Pentecost every Sunday, so let's just have church. Amen. Isn't that awesome to be able to say that? To have a real authentic outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Every time we come together, amen, not a once a year celebration, but a 365 day a year celebration. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Why don't you just God, give God praise for the thrill? being born again. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have a great week and a great weekend. God bless you.